So welcome to another episode of the Friday Film Club. Uh, joining me today is actually a guest that I was recommended by Stuart Hobley. Uh, so do check out my episode with Stuart uh, before you listen to this uh, or, or, or maybe after, it doesn't really matter. Joining me today is the excellent Edward Higgins. Welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? I am good, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Slight microphone issues, as you know, as you'd expect. Yeah, I don't, of, I don't of think... A certain age. I don't think anyone could tell. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this because I feel my voice breaking. I was I was at an event at the weekend. I was very shouty, um, so my the, the the pitch in my voice could could do some very funny things during this episode. Just to, it's all right. I make a lot on. of people emotional, so you know. <laughs> um, well, tell everyone uh, who you are and, and what you do. Okay. Uh, well, I'm a novelist. Yeah, I'm a I'm a writer of sorts. Uh, not very much importance, but uh, you know, trying. Uh, I've had some, but three books out. For the sake of this program, I should probably say that I, I know Stuart Hobley because I run uh, a thing called the Film Crowd, which he was an early adopter of. Which is it's kind of a pro uh, thing we set up myself and two other authors, Paddy Kincaid and Holbrook. Uh, we set it up four years ago, which seems remarkable. It didn't seem that long ago, <laughs> but uh, four years ago. And it was basically set it up as a thing that was supposed to help people who had kind of um, social issues, but still sort of a way for them to connect. So people who were suffering from social isolation or uh, loneliness so that they could have a kind of a, a time where they could do something with people that was a kind of a low level thing that they might enjoy where there's no pressure. You can keep your phone on. In fact, it's actively encouraged because, you know, it's quite difficult to text uh, funny responses. And uh, yeah, it's been in the midst of the last two years, obviously it kind of went a bit bigger because of COVID. Of course, uh, yeah. It's almost uh, like you planned it. Suddenly every, everyone was stuck at home, miserable then. <laughs> so it was the, uh, yeah. So we, yeah, we, we uh, yeah, it's been, it's been growing and growing since then. We've had kind of celebrity endorsements of films that, um, it's not the right word, is it endorsements? Uh, celebrity uh, <laughs> curation of films. And uh, it's, we're now aligned to a charity called uh, sidekick, which if I can ever work out, well, you've already experienced my lack of technical uh, <laughs> uh, intelligence. And uh, yeah, if I can ever work out how we can give them the money that's in the Patreon account, it's it's theirs. I feel like Father Ted at the moment. That money's just resting in my account at the moment, but it, it is theirs and uh, I haven't spent it. So yeah, that's that's kind of who I am really. Yeah, is that all right? Yeah. That's, that, that was perfect. Well, <laughs> We'll talk more about your uh, your your writing and your your novels a bit later in the show. But just okay. to quickly touch again on the film crowd. Um, obviously, yep. it was uh, it turned out to be an amazing thing to set up uh, four years ago because, as you touched on, pandemic hit and yeah, suddenly everyone found themselves at home in isolation. And yeah. this kind of thing must have been just absolutely perfect for so many people during that time. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I mean, I've heard quite a lot of carers have uh, direct messaged us and said that it's been enormously good for uh, the people they care for who don't go out much. And most of them actually don't get involved actively, but they like watching the, the messages that go up. It's basically a tweeter along. It's a, we'd like to think it we're a bit more special than that, but we aren't. It's just that. So basically we put on films three times a week and it tends to be B-movies on a Monday run by Paul. And then uh, we recently we've got kind of involved on a Friday with um, the Seller Club on mm -hmm. Talking Pictures TV, 
So we've been getting quite a lot of um, the lovely Caroline Monroe has been been making a bit of a fuss of us of late, which obviously everyone's very pleased about. So um, her of the Bond films and the, the horror films from the 70s. So um, that's been a bit of a delight that's happened recently. Yeah, so it's just, uh, it was, yeah, I think we were, we kind of started it without any idea of where it was going to go and it's kind of mm. taken off a bit now, so. Have you ever, did, did you reach a point where you, you realised actually all the films that we thought about um, watching together, we've, we've exhausted and then you had to kind of try yeah, and get some really a, a couple, a, a few times. One of, the, one of the ones I'm going to mention later, I think we've probably done about five times now. Um, <laughs> just because it's a, it's a crowd pleaser of, a, um, of some description. I'm not entirely sure it should be a crowd pleaser, but it's, it's so bad, it's, it's amazing. But we'll come to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we started off with very good intentions where we were only going to put up films that had no copyright. And we kind of, I think the first one we did was, um, oh, what's the Cary Grant film? Is it Masquerade? Uh, which, for reasons that someone presumably got fired for, came out with no copyright on it. Uh, and so we started with that. And then we suddenly quickly realised that the films that have no copyright have no copyright for, no, uh, for a good reason, because they're all... <laughs> But then we started looking at, at things on YouTube with the kind of caveat that we didn't put them up. So we, <laughs> they're there. We're just putting a link to them. Although we have had people coming to us, uh, uh, angry people. Well, there's a lot of angry people on Twitter. So occasionally you get someone complaining that, that we're, we're being horribly, horribly uh, uh, I don't know, out of line with the people that made the films. But we didn't put, we don't never put any of these films up ourselves. They're just, mm. we're just putting a link to, the things so I, I don't know doesn't it doesn't feel great saying that feels like i'm washing my hands slightly <laughs> the, the copyright infringement issue but uh anyway never mind yeah i mean uh, i guess uh, it's a it's a fair for the greater it's, good for the greater good yeah exactly exactly um and i was i was about to ask you what the your the favorite film is that you've ever that you've screened through the film crowd but we we may well touch on that so i'm just going to dive straight in uh, right. The first question, which is, uh, what's your favourite film of all time? Uh, well, this one was all right. I could do this one. Uh, some of your questions are a bit trickier than this, but my favourite film of all time is the 1949 Ealing comedy Kind Hearts and Coronets. And you're looking blank. But, yes, uh, you, no, you, good film. you need to fill me in on this one. OK, so I'll, I'll give you some background on this. When I was, um, I, I think I saw it first when I was about seven and I was an inveterate early riser in those days, as my annoying child is now. He's obviously inherited that from me. But uh, I, I used to, unlike him, just go downstairs and watch television. And in those days, there was four channels, because I'm elderly. And one of them used to be CFAX. Do you remember CFAX? I do, I do. You do? Okay, uh, yeah. good. All right, good. You're not going to look blank all the way through this. But, <laughs> um, so uh, there was CFAX on Channel 4. And then uh, BBC One and BBC and ITV used to be basically men in grey trousers and patterned jumpers talking about sports, which I wasn't very interested in. But I, uh, BBC Two, at really early in the morning, used to put on like great old films, and um, uh, yeah, I, I encountered it through through that means. I was reading um, uh, Harry Hill's book the other day, and he's talking about the young comedians coming through and they, they all do TikTok and various other things. And he's like, the good thing about television is though, you're, you're not just given stuff to watch based on what you've already watched. Mm. You are, you're just kind of forced to watch something. And that was kind of how this was. And, uh, and thank God it did, because I mean, uh, I was 
my my child comes down, he wants to watch things about dinosaurs or dogs, and that's it. Whereas I didn't have that choice. It was just put on the television. And we had a big one of those big Grundig TVs with the kind of plastic wood on the sides. Yeah. And uh, I watched um so I watched Hound of the Baskervilles, the really old version with I've forgotten his name. What's his name? Um oh that's terrible. Oh, that's bad. What is his name? Anyway, <laughs> we, we mm. can cut that. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> oh, how embarrassing. Which I was about to say uh, started my lifelong love of, of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, and then I've forgotten his name. <laughs> Rathbone. Rathbone, obviously, yeah. So um, so uh, that and another film called Mrs. Miniver, which is a, a sort of a weird uh, uh, old film about the war. An Oscar winner. You know, you we weren't expecting the six-year-old. Was it an Oscar winner? I believe it was, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. But anyway, I was that. There was another film called The Big Job, which was like a kind of early carry-on film with quite a lot of the carry-on stars in it, but uh, wasn't a carry-on. Uh, and then this this Saturday morning, they showed uh, Kind Hearts and Coronets, and it was a, a film I kind of fell in love with instantly, and it has it has remained as my favourite film ever since. And I was pleased I wrote the, uh, the, so it's based on a book and I, I did the, I did some writing about it last year and I did the, the introduction and the kind of bits at the, uh, yeah, explaining stuff at the end. So there you go. Anyway, there we go. Well, uh, so anyway, shall I talk about the actual film? That would probably yes, be a good thing, wouldn't it? Do, do give so, us a okay. it's a, it's a, it's a it's sort of silky black comedy, which is very sort of gentle. And Dennis Price plays a guy called Louis Mancini, and um, he's, uh, his mother was part of this no, noble family, and she left to marry an Italian uh, opera singer, and, and, and obviously married beneath her, and then he, he pops his clogs, and then she pops her clogs, and Louis Mancini, who's obviously the poor relation, writes, he's working as, I think, a draper's assistant at this point, writes to the family and says, would it be okay for her to be buried in the vault? And they don't even respond to his letter. And so he decides at that point he's going to kill the entire family. And the entire family is played masterfully by Alec Guinness. So there's eight, <laughs> eight, uh, eight, eight members of this family, including Lady Agatha Dascoyne, who is, uh, is the Dascoyne family. Uh, and she gets, she's um, a suffragette. These are all played by Alec Guinness. So he's Amazing. like a, he's a callow youth. Uh, and then he's a sort of a mad old vicar at one point. And um, I was watching a program about this last night, and the director of Paddington Two said that the reason how he managed to get Hugh Grant involved in the film was by going, "You'll be like Alec Guinness in uh, in, in uh, Kind Hearts and Coronets." So it has that kind of cachet. <laughs> and it's also got uh, you know, Joan Greenwood's in it, playing this sort of she sort of sashays into uh, places and. She's a sort of silky kind of um, uh, yeah. She's just, I, every, everything's just brilliant. The, the 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 script is the most amazing script I've ever ever encountered, and Robert Hamer's direction is is just beautiful, and it's just a remarkable film. Every line is funny, and it's just a wonderful film. Anyway, it's it's a great choice, and uh, who knew <laughs> that who knew that Alec Guinness could could play? Well, you get a lot of Alec stuff. Guinness for your money as well, well yeah. so that's good. Yeah, the serial killer protagonist is kind of sympathetic, weirdly. And I think it's probably because, all oh, right, he does kill. I mean, <laughs> weirdly, not, not all the Dascoin families are that evil. 
but so you're kind of i suppose you should be thinking well he shouldn't probably kill that one but uh, he does but then another one pops up with alec guinness's face two minutes later anyway so it, it feels almost as though you're yeah, you're probably all right. And there's a lovely twist at the end as well, which I won't ruin. So, but anyway, so that was my choice as, as best film. Uh, gr- great choice. And uh, I'm sure 99% of our listeners uh, will have never have heard of that film before. So it gives them something what? to hunt out. Well, I think we've probably done that on film credit a couple of times. For some <laughs> so uh, I guess I'm going to ask you about something that you perhaps haven't played uh, on film crowd. Uh, what's your least favourite film of all time? Right, this one I would... So we watch so many dreadful films. Uh, and I have a... Uh, I was listening to Hobley's one this morning and he suggests that, that there's a there's a kind of... That no film is, is made to be bad, although mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what he said. But um, I think some films are made to be good and they're terrible and those are the films you need to pick out. <laughs> and I was trying to work out what film this might be that I should go on about. And um, my wife said, well, have you ever walked out of the cinema? And I went, oh, yeah, I have, actually. And I went and saw uh, the Bond film. Oh, can I even remember what it's called now? Uh, it's, a, it's a Pierce Brosnan Bond film, Die Another Day. And, and oh, my God, that was... It's worst part is it starts with a quite interesting pre-credit sequence where he's not just, you know, uh, saving the day through some extraordinary means. Mm. he's actually just being tortured and I thought oh, this is interesting I haven't seen this before and then it just descends into this awful pastiche of a Bond film where it's just like invisible cars and John Cleese shouting a lot about sandwiches and uh, at one point he's wandering about wearing like a uh, a puffy shirt and, and shoes with side clasps and I'm thinking this, this is not my Bond this is definitely not my Bond I, I remember the opening sequence to Die Another Day incredibly well, and I, I don't know why I do, but I do. And I remember, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there yeah. was a speedboat chase along the Thames, which ended oh. in him rolling off of the Millennium Dome. And... I thought that was another one. Uh, is that not the... Oh, uh, I don't know. Is that not the... Um, what's the one with Robert Carlyle as a baddie? Is that the one? Oh, Maybe. Yeah, Maybe I I've got my bonds mixed up. Yeah. Well, it's easy to do with the, you know, with the, <laughs> yeah. the Brosnans. Yeah, I think um, Die Another Day is the one that where Madonna turns up and they yes. start having. Yeah, that one. Oh, and it, uh, it's, it's one of the worst of... Uh, Bond themes as well. I, I think. Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's there were quite a lot of bad ones there. I think Garbage, <laughs> the one uh, for the film, that was that wasn't great either. So. Anyway, <laughs> who's your Bond out of interest? Because you're, you're a bit younger than me. He must be, is he not your Bond? Well, I mean... Yeah, I mean, the, the first Bond that I saw in a cinema was Brosnan. Um, right. But I guess when did uh, Daniel Craig took over as Bond when yeah. I was about 20? So I guess I've seen, I've seen more Daniel Craig Bonds in cinema than I saw Pierce Brosnan. Probably a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Looking looking back, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a wise choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah. I, on the on the whole, are you a Bond fan or, or not? Yeah, I probably am. I'm, I'm a Roger because obviously, uh, mm. obviously, he's the best because he's, <laughs> he's silky smooth and sort of middle aged man, uh, which I like. I mean, there's and he just hung around too long, so no one does the the acting like 
uh, Roger Moore does. Gotta love Moonraker. So like, I mean, you could actually imagine some of them in a fight, but Roger, he looks like he's wearing a girdle through most of them, <laughs> and he's got liver spots on his hands as he's caressing <laughs> these these Russian beauties and things. And you're thinking, oh, mate, your wig's gonna fall off if you carry on like that. And, oh, it's, yeah, it's not. But he's that's why he's my favourite. I mean, if he's got being like you know rabbit punched by various. Uh, lovelies <laughs> whilst wearing a safari suit and, uh, and, and moccasins that's, and smoking a cigar. That's, that's Roger. Come on. Yes. That's, that's good bond. Yeah, I think there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a definite uh, generational divide in, in uh, favourite bonds. I think it's a really good way to tell someone's age as well. If you, if you, if yeah. you meet them blind, you don't know anything about them. Ask them what their favourite bond is who their favourite Bond is. And I think yeah. it gives you... Well, I have the same thing, same thing with Doctor Who and the same thing with uh, Sherlock Holmes as well. So you yeah. can... Uh, myself and the other film crowders have done this previously where we've, we've discussed who our favourite... And, and, you know, if it's a Cumberbatch, someone's quite young. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know... Anyway, Interesting. Never mind. Well, well, so who's your... Out of interest, is your favourite Sherlock Holmes Cumberbatch? Is it... Do you know what? I've never been a big Sherlock Holmes fan. I and 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 I realise I'm probably offending you by saying that. But I, yeah, I I'm just aghast. It's not. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's never. It's never really uh, entertained me at all. I'm not. I'm not big really? on sort of detective stuff though. I think that's why. Okay, fine. Mm. What about Doctor Who then? Well, you see, I've seen. I've I've seen the the occasional <laughs> episode. But again, I, we I need feel to ask like... you all these questions you ask everyone because I, I, I we, we never got to the bottom of what your favorite film is and what your least favorite film is. I, I'm going to come back on here one day and ask you all these questions. Put yeah, you on the spot. I think we'll have to make it a special one day. But uh, yeah, Joe, <laughs> I, I, I feel like as we as we go through these questions, we're going to find that our our tastes are probably incredibly different. So this is going to be interesting. Well. Let's not fall out about it. Come on. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to have to join a few film crowds. And, um, uh, you are. I was going to also, um, for my worst film, I did watch the film, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, the the uh, uh, thing that came out uh, about 20 years ago, and it was uh, Ghosts Wondering, the Blair Witch Project. I watched that recently as well, and that was appalling. Yeah, not and, a fan. Uh, about 20 minutes. Oh, well, it's just some people wandering around a wood, bickering and looking at bits of foliage. <laughs> And then it's about 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 half an hour in, I'm rooting for the witch, going, "Come on, just do it, kill him, kill him." That was a terrible film. I remember watching that in the cinema uh, and thinking it was quite good. I don't know what I was doing. It's mm. weird. Anyway, did you like that? Were we going to pull out about that? Well, I, I, it's not. I, I'm a big horror fan, and that's it's pretty low down. Oh, am I? I, I? I respect the fact that they managed to film something on a shoestring budget and make an awful yep. lot of money from it. Um, but I think it was it was a big hype machine. I think it, it it kind of established a lot of conventions early on that that later horror films um, employed a lot better. Um, so I That's think footage that I, should have stayed unfound. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think I, I, there were sequels to the Blair Witch Project as well. Oh, I haven't seen them. I, neither no, have I. Neither I can only I. take this too so far. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay well moving on um which film or tv character do you most relate to uh this is again another one that was this was a tough one uh i do live in a vague 
sort of uh, fantasy world most of the time. So I was thinking someone like uh, William Fisher from Billy Liar might be right. a good choice. Uh, and he's someone who routinely is distracted from his kitchen sink drama he's trapped in by having dreams of uh, of a life where he's a king. I think I could do something like that, maybe. Well, don't, I don't my, we all I, Well, I, I think I've got my mind on higher things, but my wife just thinks I'm a bit of a weirdo. So, um, <laughs> But these days, I think um, the way the world is now, uh, I probably feel more like a character in an episode of Tales of the Unexpected or something, <laughs> where I sort of stumble haplessly around and there's some sort of slightly baffling plot unwinding around me. Uh, and a growing sense of dread. Uh, but then nothing of particular interest actually happens, and the hopeful kind of twist ending doesn't really appear. Uh, and it just turns out exactly how you thought it would from the beginning. So, I mean, that, that's kind of where I, I imagine I'd be on that one. Uh, I, you know, that's probably as good as it gets, really. Yeah, I think it's quite a good uh, summary of, of how a lot of people are probably feeling over the last couple of years. And now, of course, we're out of the pandemic and uh, uh, we're about to uh, enter World War Three. So, uh, you know. Yay! <laughs> great, great times. Yeah, yeah. yeah what time to be alive. Time. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but tell me, you know, as you as you mentioned, you've uh, written three books, uh, three novels. So, you know... I've, uh, no, I've written one novel and I have, um, so I, I, there's a book called um, uh, Diary of a Nobody and I've written a kind of notes and an introduction on that and the book that um, uh, my favourite film is based on, uh, I wrote notes and, in, uh, and the introduction to that as well. So, mm. um, yeah, so um, so that's a weird, a slightly weird version of the, of the film I like because it's not as good um so but i mean it's weird because they sort of hint at the the good twist ending in the book and then don't use it and it's, it's just like what so i kind yeah. of assumed they kept hinting that this was going to happen so i don't want to uh, spoil the ending but it's difficult to not do that without explaining what i'm talking about <laughs> should i spoil the ending i don't know or should I, just leave yeah, I i think uh i think just give your uh give your stuff a good old plug and we can go find it online or buy it right or yeah. yeah 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 let's do let's do that so yeah, yeah anyway but, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i guess what, what i'd love to ask is have you uh, you know are you still thinking you want to write more stuff and uh, and what would you write if you do yeah uh I, i'm well I'm, I'm, I'm to be honest i'm writing about six different books at the same time i'm also <laughs> writing uh uh i've just been writing a new podcast called the english eccentric which will be coming out soon so i'm working on that and also writing i've just written six episodes of a, of a podcast about borley rectory uh i'm a big fan of harry price he features in my first novel so yeah i, I don't know i probably get back into doing something actually that exists on paper and it appears in a waterstones because there's a, i think there's probably a bit more so I feel like I'm stacking off podcasts now, which I I would never do, incidentally. So, um, hey, get off, get off. <laughs> sorry, man. Uh, no, I do them as well. So, you know, yeah. So I just, I, I'm writing stuff all the time. It's just, yeah, it just takes, uh, when you're doing a podcast, as you're presumably aware, it takes quite a lot of time. Uh, well, you might not be quite aware, uh, so aware of if you have a, a, a six-year-old child, 
you never have any time so it does sort of eat into that a bit so yeah i i i imagine doing anything at all uh is is almost impossible when you've got a young child well i've got a child not only is he a, a six-year-old child he's a child slightly on the spectrum as well so i mean he's he's, he's quite hard work quite a lot of the time but uh, he's he's delightful uh, about 17% of the time so it's worth it but, <laughs> i think yeah. i think for any parent that's a success right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's why i keep telling myself you know. <laughs> so uh, uh if if your life was a movie um, yeah first of all this what is... genre would it be and, and who would play you right this is another excruciatingly hard one i don't know <laughs> there are not many film stars that look like me and there's probably <laughs> a very good reason for that i don't cut it with the the carrie grant uh so um but you know thanks i i did bump into peter o'toole in a london pub uh about 20 years ago and um me and my friends went up and <laughs> he was sitting as you'd expect uh, drunk uh, beside two very beautiful japanese women <laughs> and we 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 sort of uh it was a pub called the blackfriars in blackfriars he was sitting in a corner uh, kind of looking like a king <laughs> uh, like I pretend to do in my head when I'm, uh, you know, not not living in real life. But um, he was he, there. He was, and, uh, and me and my friend Pete went up and said, "Could we buy?" Asked if we could buy him a drink, and, uh, and he was like, "Of course, as long as you buy these ladies' drinks." And we were very happy <laughs> to buy him his ladies' drinks as well. And, and he told me I looked like his mate Ollie, and I was like, "Okay," and I, I was quite pleased with. <laughs> any sort of recognition from Peter at all. Uh, and then afterwards, my friend said, you know he was talking about Ollie Reed, don't you? And uh, I have no idea if that's true. He might just have a plumber or something called Ollie that you know, he, he, he chats to. But I've, I've, I've taken it from them and always claimed it definitely, definitely Ollie, Oliver Reed. So I, I, will, I will choose Oliver Reed for, for that. I think yeah. that's that's fair. That's uh, that's a solid <laughs> justification. And yes, cling on to that for the rest of your life. Uh, who cares? Who cares if he's, if he's referring to to his plumber? Well, we'll never know now. Exactly. So who knows? exactly. And, he, and his plumber might be a really great bloke anyway. So you know. Yeah. Uh, you know. So um, I am also quite hairy. So maybe Ollie playing the wolf man, you know, could be good. Could be good. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure about the genre though. Genre was tough, and I was thinking maybe some sort of kitchen sink drama. That kind of thing. Yeah. I can kind of see myself angrily smoking fags over a draining board with my sleeves rolled up, <laughs> railing about the older generation, uh, which I, you know, apart from the fags, I do quite a lot of that anyway. But uh, um, yeah, I'm not northern enough and I'm in my 40s. So uh, would this one be... cares about the, no one cares about the angry middle aged man. That never, that's never come <laughs> up. So yeah the angry young man you know he's a stylish guy but you know that's yeah. that, that's fair yeah there's 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 not a lot of sympathy for old white guys uh <laughs> sort of a, but uh are you are you thinking kind of black and white or full-on technicolor oh god I'd, I'd go with black and white yeah yeah I'd, I'd look all right on black and white i think so yeah <laughs> yeah entirely <laughs> Entirely, uh, yeah, yeah, cosmetic reasons. I'll go with black and white. I, I think everyone looks 10 times Life better. I should be in, in black, black and white. white. It, it should, my yeah. bar tan would be reduced considerably. So, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, talking of black and white, uh, what's your most nostalgic film? 
well, I haven't gone with black and white on this, weirdly, <laughs> even though my favourite film was black and white. Oh, I like to keep you on your toes here. Um, uh, so when I was younger, I was fascinated by portmanteau horror films. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's, he's gone quiet again. Uh, I don't know why, but it's uh, basically a genre that's pretty much died out now. I suppose you could put Jeremy Dyson and Andy Nyman's ghost stories from a few years back. That's a sort of portmanteau. Do you know what I'm talking about at all? I've, do you know what? I've heard of portmanteau horror, but once again, my generation... Yeah. Uh, under... It wasn't really there, was it? We're, no, no, I'm afraid not. So uh, no. there needs to be another education, I think, on your part. So portmanteau horror, you, it basically involves a group of straight... Well, I mean, this is the, the standard... This is kind of Amicus, uh, uh, Hammer, uh, who else did them? Tygon. Uh, there was quite a lot of them from the mm. 60s and 70s. So there's like, um, the so it's basically there'll be one sort of anchoring story, usually quite badly done. Uh, and then there'll be four kind of uh stories that are kind of uh completely separate. But I like that because it meant you got quite a lot of horror film for your, for your money. Mm. So it was uh, so like the famous one is probably uh, Dead of Night, which is a black and white film. So yeah, you're good there. Or mm -hmm. uh, the uh, there's another famous one called Doctor Terror's House of Horrors, yep. which was pastiched by Steve Coogan. Uh, I was going to say recently, but it was probably about twenty years ago. Uh, <laughs> I'm just old uh, with his Doctor Terrible's House of Horrible, which he did a very good uh, portmanteau pastiche. That featured the guy from um, Pointless, actually. Oh, oh Alexander yeah. Armstrong. Oh, Alexander Armstrong in a big curly ginger wig. Yeah. So yeah, 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 nice. Uh, and then, so there's another famous one called Asylum, which the central figure is being kind of taken around an asylum. I think it's Rob Powell is being led around a kind of 70s mental institute and listening to the inmate stories. It's that kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. So basically, it, it's they they aren't very terrifying, but my favourite one is one. Uh, it's a Freddie Francis film called uh, Tales That Witness Madness from 1973, and uh, it was probably X-rated when it was in the cinema in the 70s. I watched it on a sort of rainy Sunday afternoon in the late 80s on Channel Four, uh, and like the film Asylum. It follows exactly the same plot as Asylum. <laughs> so um, it's the head of a psychiatric institute played by Donald Pleasant uh, leads a visiting doctor around the wards and tells him the stories of one of his patients. I think there's a one of them used to be the ex-person in charge or something, although mm. I can't remember what the resolution is on that, despite the fact that it's one of my favourite films. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of film. You don't remember the details. You just yeah. you remember the bit. So there's basically a uh, there's a guy uh, who owns an antique shop, who, <laughs> yeah, uh, who, who basically uh, has a painting that stares at him. Uh, it, <laughs> it sort of moves occasionally in a, you know, what would be kind of scary way if it wasn't <laughs> quite crap. And then and there's Joan Collins turns up, um, finds her marriage under threat from a, from a tree. Uh, this this is what uh, this was clearly horror in the seventies. Uh, 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 I mean, it's a nice one. Don't know, get me wrong. So yeah. uh, and there's another one. Kim Novak turns up at the end, and there's a kind of uh, meal 
where her daughter ends up on the menu or something. <laughs> I mean, none of it actually makes any sense. And yeah. Despite being a horror film, it completely fails to horrify you. But, yeah. you know, you get a lot of stories. So <laughs> I quite like these when I was growing up. There's a tremendous sense of value, I suppose. That's, that's, that's what you get with these things. Yeah, and uh, a solid choice. I my my only uh, memory of watching a sort of Hammer horror was uh, when I was in uh, uni, and I think it was it was my third year, and it was on the TV. It was like mid afternoon. Um, it, yeah. it was on something like you know ITV Four or something, and um, <laughs> my yeah. my housemate uh, walked in at just the moment where there was a, a fairly precarious. Um, I'd go as far to say semi-pornographic scene that looked incredibly low budget and because it was very low budget and uh, I had a little bit of explaining to do um, in that moment just sitting there in the living room with something that looked very uh, suspect um, and that, that, that's really all I remember of, of that kind of film. <laughs> I had that same problem with my parents. I don't know, <laughs> you've been there watching a film for like, I don't know, uh, an hour and a half and suddenly a pair of breasts appear on the screen. That's when my mum's going to walk in. I'll be like, no! Oh! It's like you're watching, I know, um, a genuine m a moment in my life that fills me with horror to this day, where I was watching, I think it was National, Lampo National Lampoon's European Vacation. Yep, yep. And there's a bit where Rusty uh, fantasises about meeting a German girl. And obviously, as we all know about German girls, they're all easy. So uh, instantly uh, her breasts are out. Yeah. Uh, uh, suddenly my mum walks in. <laughs> I go, no, it hasn't been like this. It was Chevy Chase. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. love the love the vacation films, but yeah, that's there's 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 a lot of moments in those where uh, it can be very embarrassing if someone walks in, especially <laughs> especially if it's your mum. Well, I mean, it's just watching a Chevy Chase film is is, is pretty embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good point. Uh, right, what is your guilty pleasure? Well, I um, murder people on them. Uh, now, and <laughs> again, another difficult, quite a difficult question. I don't know because I watched so many bad films. It was really hard. So again, I had to kind of fall back on the film crowd. Uh, I mean, obviously, I I used to watch a lot of Carry On films when I was younger. And I suppose uh, as a young man, I used to take the. the to, can you swear? Can I say the? Yeah, go for it. Okay, thanks. I used to kind of routinely take the piss out of them. Uh, but now, as a slightly tragic older man, I tend to look back on this as a more more wistfully and more <laughs> fondly. Uh, I, I know that, you know, I, I yeah, the jokes are all crass and a bit horrible, but uh, they remind me of kind of just bank. They were just always on. They were always on. It was a bank holiday. There was a carry-on film on. It was, a, it was Christmas. The bank, uh, there was a carry-on film on. But I'm not going to talk about carry-on films because, I mean, that's, that's probably a lot of people's guilty pleasures <laughs> of, of my, my, my age. But I'm going to talk about a film called Bullseye, which is a 1990 and should know better film. It was, it was written uh, and, and directed by Michael Winner. Right. Uh, it, and stars it, it, Michael star. Caine. Yeah. Uh, Michael Caine and Roger Moore. And, and you go, <laughs> oh, right. this should be... This has the hallmarks of being good. Right. It, it is not good. Um, <laughs> uh, but but it is sort of good. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I, it's, 
There's a certain degree of ambivalence about this film. Um, I did watch this film when I was about 10, and I remember thinking it was all right when I was 10. Uh, and then we um, we asked uh, Mark Gatiss to choose a film for the film crowd, and he came back instantly, weirdly, with Bullseye! <laughs> uh, uh, and there was some discussion about whether he meant the TV show. Uh, and then he had to come back and go, no, the 1990 Michael Winner film. And we were like, all right, okay. Uh, so, you know, the Radio Times describes this film thus. This appallingly unfunny comedy is a career low for all concerned. <laughs> Which I'd say was accurate. Uh, but bear in mind that Michael Caine starred in Jaws 4 that featured a shark that was out for revenge. So the bar is already quite low here. Uh, but anyway, uh, I guess um, Bullseye would probably describe itself if it, if it could. Oh, you've got a dog. Yes, he's he's making himself known. He usually does. It's taken 45 minutes, so I'm, I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> okay. Uh, my, my child might do the same, so I should, we should probably wrap this up. So um, I guess, um, yeah, it would probably describe itself as a kind of screwball, a screwball comedy, as was quite accurate at the time. But um, yeah. anyway, so to uh, Kane and Moore uh, in the film played dual roles. Uh, they are two slightly dubious scientists working on cold fusion. So that's an opportunity for Kane to pull out his amazing American accent. And uh, a pair of Cockney workmen uh, who look quite similar to them, uh, save for the fact that con man Kane has like a blob of putty on the end of his nose, which he needs to have removed by plastic surgery <laughs> so they can impersonate these two scientists. Anyway, uh, and, and that's pretty much the premise of the film. And, and it has some of the weakest gags ever written and some slightly baffling cameos. Patsy Kensit turns up at one point for no obvious oh reason. John Cleese again. He seems to feature in quite a lot of my bad films. Uh, for no obvious discernible reason, he turns up at the end. He's billed as the man that looks like John Cleese. Uh, and yet it's so awful, it's sort of actually quite good. Uh, it is really funny. I mean, not actually on the level it's supposed to be funny, because none of the jokes actually land in the way they're supposed to. And the script and direction is both terrible. And Moore and Kane basically sort of amble into scenes looking as confused as the rest of us throughout <laughs> the film. And yet for that, there is something slightly remarkable about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, to give you a kind of level of where we're at with this film, there is a recurring gag throughout the film, uh, which involves two American tourists, a couple uh, wearing kind of matching plaid shorts and loaded down with cameras. Uh, and they are obviously doing a tour of the UK so that we can keep bumping into them uh, in, in a kind of national lampoon style. Uh, so uh, anyway, a, a series of sort of horrible things before the wife. Uh, it's like things blow up in her face, people drive into her, etc., etc. Uh, uh, at which point her husband obviously turns around to the people that do this to her and goes, "Hey, buddy, let me at least buy you a drink." That's that's the kind of stuff. It's, it's knockout stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it, if another, if, if that wasn't enough of a kind of a reason why you should watch it. It's also the only film where you'll see Roger Moore wearing a donkey jacket. So, well, if that's not enough to sell it, then uh, nothing is really. <laughs> that's what they should have written on. That should have been the uh, yeah. 
what what should have been written on the box. It's it's all you need on the sleeve, isn't it? But uh, I think uh, <laughs> I I have to I have to say uh, this is by far the, the the guiltiest of guilty pleasure choices that we that we've heard. So congratulations for that. Um, but on the whole, an amazing set of answers and probably the most obscure set of answers yet. So I I commend you on that. Thank you very much. I do try. <laughs> and uh, before I let you go, do tell everyone where they can connect with you, how they can take part in the film crowd, and uh, if they want to pester you, uh, how can they? Uh, okay. Uh, they. Uh, I'm on Twitter as EO Higgins. Uh, I'm on Twitter as the film crowd. Well, uh, various people are on Twitter as the film crowd, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll claim that. Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram as uh, Trousers of Excellence, so uh, look out for that. Uh, I'm about to launch another podcast called the uh, the English Eccentric. I already have a podcast called Lars Heads Super Normal. Uh, yeah, that's probably about enough, isn't it? <laughs> that's great, yeah. and we will of course put all of that in the show notes for anyone interested as well you're a gentleman thank you very much no problem it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you and uh, hopefully we'll get you back sometime for a sequel yeah and i'm going to come in and ask you these questions put you on the spot that seems like when's that going to happen that's a fair deal i will procrastinate as long as i possibly can well okay i'm looking forward to this (laughs) i'll go no we're gonna have a falling out no 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 (laughs) it's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure thank you very much thank you Cheers, man. That's it for this episode of the Friday Film Club. I do hope you enjoyed it. And of course, you can listen back to all previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And remember as well to connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Fry Film Club. We will, of course, post links to all of our guest info in the show notes. So look out for that as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.